the teams you care about. Well, the Patriots have some soul searching to do, and they've got a long off season now to figure out the answers. The stories that matter to you. Well, UVM certainly put Stony Brook and the rest of the conference on notice with that performance. And now this is the team we wanted to see out of the Catamounts. This is your home for New England sports. All right, football's over. Let's get the lockout over, too. Let's get to baseball. I need the Red Sox back. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, the football that matters to us is over after what happened on Saturday night. This is the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV-AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. That was ugly. Every facet of it was ugly for the most part. 47-17, Bills moving on, Pats heading to the offseason. We are on to the offseason. To to paraphrase Bill Belichick, we're on to free agency, we're on to the draft, and then we'll do the whole thing all over again. But uh, what a crashing end to the Patriots' season on Saturday night in Buffalo. We've got a full show, all 90 minutes to talk about it from all angles. We'll go right up until 7 o'clock. And then we got a new show tonight on DEV, Jazz with George Thomas. So looking forward to uh, getting George in here for the first time here on DEV. Looking forward to hearing his work as well. We're going to talk with Ian Eagle of CBS Sports. He was on the call of that Patriots-Bills game Saturday night, that game that ended the past season. What did it look like from his vantage point? So Ian Eagle with us in about 15 minutes. As always, you can get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. It's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Look, I'll be whatever you want me to be today. If you want me to be your sounding board, if you want me to be your punching bag on behalf of the Patriots, if you want me to be your counselor about the Patriots, I will be whatever you want me to be. I have thoughts. I have takes. You do too. Get on in. 802-585-3026. Everybody, let's waste no time. Start Commence the therapy session. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. And the opening thoughts of the Brady Farkas Show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Old intern Jack, who was milling around the uh, studio today, he's texted it and says, you're always my punching bag. Intern Jack enjoyed going at me all season about my Patriots takes, yet it's ironic that we ended up in the exact spot I said that the Patriots we're going to end up. We'll get to some of that stuff later as well. But uh, let's get to the game on Saturday night. As I told you last Thursday, last Thursday, go back and listen to the podcast. Last Thursday, I told you this game was not going to be about Mac Jones. It was going to be about one thing and one thing only. It was going to always be about Josh Allen. That is what Saturday night came down to. That's it. Okay. You, you can miss me with anything about Mac Jones, anything about the offense. I don't want to hear any of it. Saturday night had nothing to do with Mac Jones. Saturday night was all about Josh Allen. That's exactly what we said it would come down to, and it did. It's actually amazing how dead on we were about this game going in. We told you right out. If the Patriots could force Josh Allen into mistakes, then they had a great chance at winning. But if they couldn't, the Bills had a chance to roll. And that's what happened. 
the Pats couldn't stop Allen, and the Bills rolled. It is that simple. Anyone, and I mean anybody. Okay, I was listening to Nick Wright earlier this morning on Fox Sports 1. I'm listening to other people. Anybody who tries to tell you anything different just wasn't watching. This game wasn't about Mac Jones. This game was about Josh Allen. It's not, oh, Mac's not good enough. Mac couldn't handle the moment. Mac can't play in cold weather. Mac can't win the big one. None of that matters. Saturday was about Allen, and that was it. The Bills offense played the perfect game. And if you think that I am just, you know, exhibiting hyperbole, then you too were not watching. Listen to what Josh Allen and the Bills did on Saturday night to the Patriots. Josh Allen was 21 of 25 for 308 yards. He had more touchdown passes, five, than incompletions, four. Who does that? Josh Allen did that on Saturday night. The Bills became the first team in the Super Bowl era to score touchdowns on its first seven possessions that did not end in a kneel down. The Buffalo Bills scored, they had seven full possessions. They scored seven touchdowns. That is absurd productivity. They did not kick field goals. They did not punt. They did not throw a pick. They did not fumble. They did not turn it over on downs. They had seven full possessions. They scored seven touchdowns. That game was about Josh Allen. It was about nothing else. It wasn't about Mac Jones. It wasn't about the offense. It was about number 17 for the Buffalo Bills just balling. And we told you that that's what the game was going to come down to, and that's what it came down to. We worried about – look, the, the, the Allen and the company, they just out-executed the Patriots' defense. They were just better. They were faster. Schematically, they had it down, and they were confident. And that was the ball game. And it was the ball game pretty quickly. We worried about Josh Allen's ability with his legs. Well, he ran it six times for 66 yards, including a couple of key third down runs early. His legs were great. His arm was great. His decision-making was great. He was flawless. Last two games, the Bills played against the Patriots. They did not punt once. Josh Allen has taken that next step. We thought for a long time that Allen would always be prone to the big mistake. He may prove to make a big mistake somewhere here down the road, but it's no longer a given that he's going to make the big mistake. The game was about him. The Patriots had a top five defense in the regular season and could not get one single stop. Pat's defense looked old and slow. The makeshift secondary couldn't get it done. Matthew Judon, who looked like a defensive player of the year candidate for the first three months of the season, couldn't even get on the field for 50% of the snaps. There are questions to answer. There are There is blame to hand out over the course of the offseason. The Patriots have some real soul-searching to do. They have more money to spend. They got more draft picks they got to nail. The roster is going to turn over. There's a lot to do, and we're going to talk about all of it over the course of the next now what is going to turn into a long six months until we get back on the field for training camp. There's a lot to dissect with this organization. But Saturday night was about what that guy did, and that guy dominated, and that's what we said had a potential to happen, and it did. And now what's really frustrating if you're a Patriots fan is that 
this problem isn't going to go away. We talk about the Patriots searching for answers. They do have to search for answers. But even if they find answers, there's no guarantee that it will work. The Bills aren't going anywhere. The Chiefs aren't going anywhere. The Bengals certainly look like they're at least going to be relevant for a while. Baltimore is always around. Cleveland has the roster of a champion. Can they figure out the quarterback? Justin Herbert's not going anywhere. This is not a cakewalk for the Patriots to just get back what used to be rightfully theirs. There are questions to answer, and even if you find them, there's no guarantee that you're just going to reassume conference dominance anytime soon because that guy is not going anywhere in your own division. The Patriots are good, and they were good most of the season. But right now, they aren't dynamic enough, they aren't athletic enough, and they aren't special enough to swim in that end of the pool consistently, and right now, Buffalo is. And we used that word a lot this year, special. You're probably tired of me saying it. The word we used all season was special. Josh Allen was special on Saturday night, and the Patriots weren't. We will see how much special the Pats can find in the offseason. We'll see how much special they can find in the draft. And ultimately, we'll see how special Mac Jones is. But Mac Jones on Saturday night is 100% not my issue. Yes, there's the question of how special he is moving forward. But if the Pats want to ascend to the level that Buffalo was at, they're going to need to find a lot of special. Mac's going to have to be special for you to catch that team long-term. Josh Allen was special. Do the Patriots have it in them? Do the Patriots have the guys to be special? We will find out. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury, text line 802-585-3026. Norm in Warren. The Pats were frauds, and we bought in. I'm disappointed in myself that I let myself get excited. Norm, that's a Monday after a season-ending loss comment. That's a reactionary comment, and I get it. You're upset. But you have to understand that life is about balance. This is never just about one thing. The Patriots are not as bad as they were Saturday night, just as good, just as they're not as good as they appear to be in their seven-game win streak. They're somewhere in the middle, and... That middle is exactly where they ended up. They're good enough to play with anybody. They're good enough to beat anybody once, I maintain, but they're not good enough to beat these teams consistently. They've played with the Bills twice. It's in them to be on the field with Buffalo, but the Bills were perfect on Saturday night, and the Patriots weren't. So I don't think that the Pats were frauds. They were good. They did catch some fortunate breaks with their schedule in terms of who was playing against them and who wasn't. When they caught certain teams, they capitalized on those moments. They were good. They're not dynamic. They're not special. Can they get there through another offseason? Maybe. That's what we're going to speculate and talk about and react to over the course of the next six months. They're not there right now. They are exactly where I expected them to be. And I don't think that that's fraudulent. We said all along, 10 and 6 or 10 and 7, 11 and 6, probable wild card team, maybe win a game in the playoffs. This is what I expected out of the Patriots. Now I hate seeing them get run off the field. 
I hate seeing them get blown out by a division rival. But ultimately, I thought very likely their season was going to end right here. I don't think that makes them frauds when you do exactly what you're predicted to do. But I'm still disappointed they got killed on Saturday night. But they did not get killed because of Mac Jones. There are people out there today that want you to believe they got killed because of Mac Jones. That isn't it. They got killed because of Josh Allen. It's the Brady Farkas show on WDEV. I mean, no punts, no turnovers, no turnovers on downs, no field goals, seven full possessions, seven touchdowns. That's about number 17. It's the Brady Farkas show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio. We know how it looked on on television through our screens. How did it look in person? Ian Eagle, the voice of the NFL on CBS, he called the game on Saturday night. He saw it firsthand. What did he see through his vantage points? Ian Eagle with us next right here on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on this Monday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Continuing to break down the beatdown that was the end of the Patriots season on Saturday night. Pats fall 47-17 to the Bills, end the year at 10-8. and Now we head into the offseason. But as we continue to wrap up what happened Saturday night, let's go out to the phone line and bring on the guy who was on the call for it nationally on television, saw it firsthand. It's Ian Eagle. Ian, thanks for being with us again this year. How are you? Hey, Brady. Good to talk to you. Well, Ian, we appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us here. Um, you saw it firsthand. It's being called the the greatest offensive output in NFL history. The Bills score a touchdown or kneel down on every possession. They don't punt. They don't fumble. They don't throw a pick. So that's what it's being labeled as. How did it look from your vantage point? Yeah, Buffalo obviously was incredibly locked in, sharp from the very beginning. First touchdown on, you could tell they were all business. Josh Allen was in complete command. New England never really got the rhythm going after the Micah Hyde interception. It was so deflating in the fact that their defense couldn't stop the Bills. It gave you an early indicator that this was just not going to be much of a game. I think there's a tendency when you have a blowout in the playoffs to sometimes – react in the moment that oh my goodness look how far off these guys are how far away they are from being truly competitive at the highest of levels you got to let it sit a little bit and then assess what the season meant what does it mean moving forward what did you get accomplished but in the moment and the two days afterwards you're still feeling the effects of it you mentioned the Micah Hyde interception that really did seem like the biggest play of the game certainly there were a lot of plays that came after that but the Pats were having some momentum Mac Jones had converted a couple of third and longs and it seemed like if they could come back and answer right away it would be a game is that how you saw it from your vantage point the importance of that play yeah and how it happened the fact that it was on the opening possession the fact that it was an early turnover Bills had already put seven points on the board it was an extraordinary play as well you know this was not a tip ball that fell into his hands his makeup speed and angle that he took to come away with that pick and to hold on to the football uh, truly remarkable and game changing yeah uh, of course the patriots had chances after that they had opportunities 
But I think the one concern, and it stood out in the final four weeks of the regular season, this team was not built to get themselves out of deep holes, 14-0, 17-3, 21-7. Those feel almost insurmountable with the rookie quarterback and just the way this, this offense is built. It's predicated on ball control, predicated on establishing the run or wearing a defense out as the game goes on. New England was the highest-scoring fourth-quarter team in the NFL this year, so they had success late in games, but that was just too big a deficit to, to dig themselves out of, and you felt it. it. It was palpable in Orchard Park that one team was ready to make a legitimate postseason run to the Super Bowl, and another team has got to go back to the drawing board and, and figure out where they can make improvements. The defense just uh, felt tired and uh, considering the way they performed in that seven-game winning streak, uh, this was nothing like the group that we saw that was performing at a high level while things were on a high. You know, one thing I've seen a lot of locally in the last 48 hours or so is that there are a number of Patriots fans that are disappointed that the Pats deferred the opening coin toss. Most teams defer. Did you think the Pats should have been more aggressive and try to get the ball first rather than allow Josh Allen to get it first? No, no, that that didn't bother me at all. I think Bill Belichick has been very smart and true through the years. Uh, probably looked at this game on the road, the chance to maybe go into the halftime break close and get the ball back to start the third quarter. You have to think about the game in the bird's eye view of what do we need to do to win the game at some point you got to trust your defense anyway and I'm not sure you wanted to uh, stick Mac Jones on the field if he was given the choice Uh, I I have no problem with what Belichick did initially in this game and uh, at some point you were going to have to prove that you could stop Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills at no point did they actually prove that during the game so I'm not sure the coin toss would have changed anything Ian Eagle, NFL on CBS broadcaster with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Those pre-game, those pre-show meetings that you have with the teams, what was the sense you got from the Patriots going into Saturday night? sense I got was uh, a clean slate, and they were disappointed in the way that they finished the season, felt that they could summon what they needed in this game to play their best game of the year. That came right from Bill Belichick's mouth. We have to play our best game of the season in order to win this game. And I didn't think it was hyperbole. I didn't think it was him just tossing out a phrase to move on to the next question. I felt that he believed that. And he was right. They did. Uh, The problem was they didn't actually play their best game of the season. Uh, I think New England, the veteran perspective was don't take anything for granted. And last year was... Is such an anomaly in what we've seen from the New England Patriots. So Devin McCourty in particular uh, was trying to savor what this week was all about. Mac Jones had the right attitude. And I think ultimately uh, the Patriots just ran into a buzzsaw. This Buffalo team is stacked and they're playing their best ball at the right time defensively. They've been the best statistical defense in the NFL. They showed that on Saturday night. And offensively, Josh Allen is now at a point where everything seems easy. When you get to that certain level 
where you're in control of what's happening in front of you. Even the opening touchdown. You know, I'm not sure what you felt watching the game on TV, the live look. It felt like a toss away. Yeah. It felt like for a moment he's just going to sky it over Knox's head and live to see another down. And in real time, I'm processing and synthesizing the information that, no, this could be caught. And Dawson Knox made a tremendous play to bring it in. But I felt that Josh Allen was okay with an incomplete pass and just move on to the next down. But that just shows you uh, how talented he is and uh, the chemistry of, of this offense. They are the real deal. Allen's not going anywhere. The Bills aren't going anywhere. The Dolphins have turnover, but they are a good roster. The Jets can only get better. So the division is certainly um, increasing in difficulty for the Patriots. How do you feel about them moving forward? Well, I think New England fans have, have grown accustomed to the Patriots dominating the division. It, it doesn't normally work that way in the NFL. You look around the league, and most divisions have some – variance to it other than maybe the Green Bay Packers every other division we've seen some movement Kansas City would be the other one as well the Chiefs have have won six straight in the AFC West so these things are normally cyclical the Patriots spent a lot of money 175 million dollars to shore up this roster during the offseason so that they could still be a player in this and they feel like they've got a quarterback that they can grow with and they're going to put more on his plate next year. I think Josh McDaniels did a fantastic job with Mac Jones, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. Teams are getting better. Buffalo clearly now has a consistent winner on its hands. Miami, let's see what happens in the coaching search. Let's see if Zach Wilson and the Jets and Robert Sala can show improvement from year one to year two it's not going to happen forever the law of averages are against you and the way that this team has performed 18 playoff appearances in 21 years on the 18th appearance the first time they were a wild card under bill belichick that is an incredible run unprecedented unheard of so i look at it as the winds of change have hit and if you're new england it's going to be an arms race here to to make sure that your roster is set up for continued success and that the development of mac jones is going to be a big part of this equation Ian, you've seen the Patriots, I believe, at least four times this season. Yep. You've seen a bunch of teams. You see teams all around the league, so you're uniquely qualified to answer this question. In comparison to other top teams that you see, what is it that the Patriots need? I think the Pats uh, ultimately need a uh, another bookend pass rusher that they can believe in. Judon ran out of steam at the end of the year, but somebody else that – offensive lines and offensive coordinators will fear big question will come within the skill position group do you have a game breaker do you have somebody at that wide receiver position that now teams have to think about double teaming consistently you know buffalo you look at what stefan diggs has done the last two years he's also raised the level of others he's taken so much attention to himself that uh, we've seen other guys step forward when given the chance with the Bills. The Patriots don't have that, and they haven't had that 
for quite some time, and they're hard to come by. But those would be the two areas that, that strike me most. I wonder with J.C. Jackson whether or not they're going to pay him. My instinct would be no, but uh, let's see how this thing plays out. Uh, McCourty, where does he fit in? Uh, the veteran guys that have laid the foundation or helped continue the foundation from the previous iteration of the Patriots, will they be a part of this thing moving forward, or are you going to see some even newer faces? The one thing that stood out for me this year more than any other year that I covered the Patriots, whether it just became a topic more this year or guys were just more vocal about it, the amount of enjoyment that these guys had playing with one another, the bonding, the fun, uh, that was a constant phrase used in our production meeting. And I, I don't think it was just tossing it out there, trying to balance the, the narrative that the Patriots are all business and you can't have any fun in New England. I think it was real. So this group had, had a personality that, that definitely – uh, was resonating within the, the players in the locker room. And how it's going to look moving forward roster-wise is uh, going to be incredibly interesting. And we know that Bill Belichick is the one that shapes it. Ian Eagle, NFL on CBS broadcaster. Ian, we appreciate the time. You joined us a couple of times this season. I'd say talk to you next season, but I'm hoping we'll get to talk again in March because there's a certain Catamount basketball team that is unbeaten right <laughs> now in America East play and on the top of the conference. So I'm hoping maybe uh, on our way to next NFL season, we're talking around March Madness with you. Yeah, I like it, Brady. Manifest that. Uh, I love great stories and college basketball and if I happen to collide with that particular story in the NCAA tournament. I think good things will happen. Well, Ian, we appreciate it. Be well, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. You got it, bud. Absolutely. Ian Eagle, one of the best. We had him on a couple of times this year. I believe we had him post-Browns game for the Pats, in which they won that one like 45-7. to Well, it was a similar beat down the other way on Saturday night as the Patriots bested by Buffalo. So Ian Eagle, one of the best. We got some stuff from him, the crew working frantically to cut up that interview so we can react to it in hour number two. A couple of messages coming in. I got a, a very big Bills fan getting in on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026 says, hey, this is the exact same thing the Bills had to deal with for 20 years. They needed that special quarterback to match New England, and now the roles have completely reversed and uh, by the way the national media anointed new england when they were nine and four and in first place the patriots deserved to be anointed at that point they had won seven in a row and the bills had just lost to the effing jaguars the bills got beat nine to three by the jaguars so let's not forget that the patriots deserved to be anointed at some point when the bills were getting three points against the jaguars team that ended with three wins and got beaten by the patriots 50 to 10 so the Pats deserve to be anointed at that point, and they got their doors blown in here uh, on Saturday night. How do you feel today if you are a Patriots fan? We'll go through how I feel. That's coming up next on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show right here on this post-Patriots season-ending loss Monday here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. My friend, the Bills fan, says, whoa, whoa, whoa. They only lost 9-6 to to the Jaguars, not 9-3. to My apologies. 
But anyways, the point still stands. The Patriots deserved to be anointed when the Bills were losing to the Jaguars and the Bills were allowing Jonathan Taylor to run for 7,000 yards and 4,000 touchdowns and a 41-15 Bills loss to the Indianapolis Colts. So there you go. And, you know, but it's a nice get-right game for the Bills on Thanksgiving when they got to face uh, Trevor Simeon there. That's what kind of jump-started the Bills back into uh, reality a little bit there. Well, no, I take that back. The Bills lost. Let me see here. They lost one, two, three. They lost three of four games here at one point. Their only win being a win over Trevor Simeon. They also got to play the awful Panthers. So, like, let's not act like the Bills didn't have some favorable um, nuggets in their schedule, too. They, they blew the doors off the Pats on Saturday. But there were reasons why people weren't huge believers in the Bills. And I've got a message for the Bills Mafia coming up at about 6.50. My closing thought today is a message for the Bills Mafia. So the full show, by the way, the podcast is on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. So you can always find us there when the show is over. And Ian Eagle, our special guest we just had from CBS Sports, his full interview is already up on the podcast channel. Our team does a great job of getting those up right after the guest comes on. My question for the room. 802-585-3026. We're snowed in today. We're frustrated about the Patriots season being over. We're frustrated we have to watch the Patriots not be in the playoffs. we got to watch Tom Brady play and the Pats not be there. We're all frustrated. Today, if you are a Patriots fan, how are you feeling? That's my question. How do you feel today if you're a Patriots fan? 802-585-3026. For me... I still feel very, very good about this team's season. I feel good because this team hit my exact expectations. And I have not lost sight of that. And you shouldn't either. Okay? If you hit expectations, then I'm generally happy. I hate when teams underachieve. If this Patriots team spent $175 million in the offseason and went 5-12, and I'd be furious. If we thought that this team was if this team was Vegas projected to win 12 and a half games and they won 8, I'd be furious. This team did exactly what I what I thought it was supposed to do, so therefore I come in today ha- I come in today happy. Yes, the ending stunk. Losing 4 of 5 to end the season and only beating the Jaguars stunk. Getting run off the field in the playoffs stunk. But overall, this team did exactly what I said it was going to. From the start, I said that this Patriots team could go 10 and 7. They could go 11 and 6. They went 10 and 7. We thought that they could for sure secure a wild card berth. They did that. And we thought that they could be in contention for the division title, but they would probably fall short of that. And they were in contention for the division title until week number 18. They did exactly what I thought they would do in the regular season, and we thought that they had a chance to win one playoff game. Now, they ultimately didn't win that one playoff game, but if they had played, um, you know, if things had shaken out differently and they had gotten to play the Raiders, I think they could have won. They could have played the Chargers and won. They could have played, heck, I think they could beat Tennessee if it worked out where Tennessee wasn't the number one seed. This didn't work, but ultimately this team did exactly what I thought they were going to do, and in going 10 and 7 and in getting to the playoffs in the way that we thought they were let's also recognize that this team accomplished an awful lot and 
as much as it hurt today and as much as it hurt on Saturday night, I beg you to not lose sight of what the Patriots accomplished this season. Look at all they did. This team developed a rookie quarterback. And yeah, I get it. Mac Jones was more of a gatekeeper this year. But how'd the other rookie quarterbacks do this season? Did they Are they playing in the playoffs and contributing? Trevor Lawrence isn't. Justin Fields isn't. Zach Wilson isn't. And Trey Lance can't get off the bench for the 49ers right now. So have some perspective. This team did something incredibly hard. They drafted, they developed, they played with, and they won with a rookie quarterback. And Mac Jones, for all the warts that a lot of you, and even I to a degree, think that he has, he showed us a lot. Mac Jones showed a compete level. That's big. He showed leadership. That's huge. He showed the ability to connect with his teammates, to relate to his teammates, especially a veteran group of teammates that already had a lot of leadership qualities within them. Mac Jones found a way to cut through that and carve out his spot in this in this locker room. So I think from an intangible standpoint, Mac Jones did a great job this year. And by the way, on the field, he showed that he can make a lot of the throws that you're going to ask him to make in the future. I would have chosen Justin Fields over Mac Jones. I am on record as saying that. I would rather have the mobile quarterback. But as we look at what Mac Jones did this year and what the team did with him, you can't be anything but impressed. Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston agrees with me. I think the Patriots unanimously embrace the kid. Mm -hmm. They really feel as if he is the right player for them going forward to be their leader. I think Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels feel the same way. And look, I'm the first to admit it. As I just said, I'd rather have Justin Fields. I'd rather have the mobile quarterback. And I don't know that Mac Jones will ever be worth $45 million a year. I've said that from day one. But this kid, while he's on his rookie deal, can win a Super Bowl. I maintain that wholeheartedly. Mac Jones showed enough this year for me to fully believe that. While he's on his rookie deal, Mac Jones can get to and win a Super Bowl. Yes, it will probably take some scheduling advantages in a given season. It will take some payroll flexibility this team will have to keep so they can go out and buy, you know, talented roster or talented guys for their roster. They better draft and develop well around Mac Jones. There are going to be things that have to go right for that ceiling to get hit. But this year, Mac Jones showed me exactly what I thought he was. I don't think he's special enough to be Josh Allen, but he's good enough to on this rookie deal, get to and win a Super Bowl. So I feel good about where Mac Jones is. He's the player that I thought he was. And I'm happy and encouraged by that because that player can win a Super Bowl. Number two, the number two reason why I feel good right now about this Patriots team and why I feel good about this season is that I feel really good about this team and this organization culture wise and that's important and you know everybody overlooks culture because analytics doesn't value what's happening in a building or on a sideline but culture is hugely important to teams and organizations and locker rooms all I've heard for years is that the Patriots aren't fun to play for that it's too tough that they don't uh, you know that other organizations are preferred by players well This team all year 
talked about how much fun they were having and how great it was to be here. And you could attribute that leadership and that, that culture being built and established and maintained to Iron Eagle's point by the veteran leaders like Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty and James White. But the new guys also stepped in. Matthew Judon, Kendrick Bourne, they brought a level of fun to this team, and they 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 are continuing on the, quote, Patriot way. I've got cuts galore, audio cuts galore from the season of Patriots players talking about how much they are enjoying themselves. Like, here, December 9th, Matthew Slater. I think adversity, whenever you face it, if you handle it the correct way, especially with others, it's going to bring you closer together. And I think our group is is really close this year. We enjoy being around one another. Uh, I really am having a lot of fun being a part of this group. And I think if you ask anyone in that locker room, they would tell you the same. So I think that's really important. If you're asking me today, why do I feel good about this team? I feel good because they did exactly what they were supposed to do. I feel good because they proved what I thought was true all along about Mac Jones, that he's good, he's good enough to win. I don't think he's great. In three years, we're going to have a different conversation about Mac Jones. We're going to be having the Baker Mayfield conversation about Mac Jones. I believe that. But if the Patriots can maximize Mac Jones' rookie deal, they can do great things over the course of the next couple of years. So I appreciate when teams hit expectations. I appreciate that Mac Jones is who I thought he was. I appreciate that Mac Jones showed great intangibles. And I'm very happy today with the culture that has been established and maintained in Foxborough. And it's not just me. And it's not just Matthew Slater who thinks that. I heard Kendrick Bourne this year talk about how great it is to play here. Adrian Phillips talk about how great it is to play here. Matthew Judon talk about how great it is to play here. And Ian Eagle, a broadcaster who saw the Patriots four times, who was just on with us, he said he noticed it too. The one thing that stood out for me this year more than any other year that I covered the Patriots, whether it just became a topic more this year or guys were just more vocal about it, the amount of enjoyment that these guys had playing with one another, the bonding, the fun, uh, that was a constant phrase used in our production meeting. So, yeah, I do feel good today. As a Patriots fan today, I walk away feeling good. I'm disappointed about the ending. I'm disappointed about the December swoon that is now becoming a trend the last couple of years. 2019, the Patriots were limping into the playoffs. 2020, they were, you know, not great in general. But, you know, they stumbled again in December. And this year, they did the same. That is something the organization has to fix. But I do feel good about where this team is today. Okay? We've wondered who would pick up the mantle leadership-wise, and they've got guys that have done that. And they've made it an inclusive place and a fun place to play. I feel good about that. So, yeah, today is hard. Saturday was hard. The offseason is full of questions. And next year... The expectations are going to be higher. I'm not going to be taking moral victories on certain things next season. Next year, I expect you to win, and I expect you to have an opportunity to get to an AFC championship game or a Super Bowl. In seven months, when I lay out my expectations for this team, they'll be different. But right now, today, 
I'm appreciative of all this team accomplished and the base that was set for this team and this organization moving forward. And by the way, let's also not forget, I'm very, very pumped about the fact that new guys made an impact. The Patriots have been, over the last few years, they have been an old roster. They have been a veteran-dependent roster. There's still going to be roster turnover. They need to find more younger players, but they started that process this year. There's Mac Jones. There's Ramondre Stevenson. There's Christian Barmore. You saw other newcomers, Hunter Henry with a bunch of touchdowns, Bourne, Miles Bryant, more guys we've never heard of going into training camp made impacts. So I feel good today. I'm disappointed in the ending, but overall, I feel good. Jackson and Ludlow on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. You're right. I'm with you. I feel good overall about what this team accomplished, but it doesn't make Saturday any easier to get blasted by a division rival. Come on. Look, Jackson, I, I know for you it doesn't make it any easier, and I know getting beaten by a division rival isn't fun, but what, what hurts even more than Saturday night, if you want my honest opinion, what hurts even more than Saturday night is that Saturday night isn't necessarily a one-off. That's the problem. The Bills aren't going away, and that's what we need to be focused on. It's not so much what happens Saturday night in one individual game. The problem moving forward is that the Bills are going to be here, and Josh Allen is going to be here. Look, the easiest path to the playoffs is through your division, and the division is no longer a given for the Patriots. The NFL is built for parity, so it's not a given that the Bills are going to dominate it forever either, but those five or six free wins a year you used to get with Tom Brady, they're gone. They're gone. The Pats went 3-3 three and three this year against the division. They were swept by Miami. They went 1-1 one and one against Buffalo, and they swept the Jets. They went 3-3. Three and three. They got to figure out a way to get back to 4-2, and two, to 5-1, and one. and that's going to be tough to do. That's what we should be focusing on. Saturday night, yeah, that stinks for one night. What stinks for years ahead is that the Bills are going to remain good. The Dolphins might acquire Deshaun Watson and get really good, and they have already given you all kinds of fits. That's where my worry would lie. So, Jackson, yeah, be mad all you want about Saturday. I'm more mad about what's coming, and what's coming is that it's not easy to dominate your division in a way you need to to assure yourself a playoff run. Um, Another text, Mark in Shelburne. I feel like this team horribly underachieved from where it was early in the year. It feels like a collapse, but you're treating it like it's all roses and sunshine. No, look, Mark, the end of the year is not a good thing, but I'll just level with you. I'm a realist. I knew that this team was not a Super Bowl champion going into the season. I said all along, I, even when they were rolling, I said they could get to a Super Bowl. I don't think they could win it. So I'm a realist. I was never looking at this season through Lombardi-colored glasses for the Patriots. I mean, look, I knew this team would be better than a year ago. It was. I knew there would be adversity. There was. I knew that I, the win-loss total I nailed exactly. So cut it up however you want. You know, you think they underachieved. I thought they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Now, yeah, I would have rather them 
ascended at the end of the year rather than faded. That's true 100%. That is disappointing. But overall, to call the season an underachievement? No, I'm not buying that. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right, a couple other texts. My buddy, the Bills fan, he continues to get in. He says, um, let's see. He says, it's a pretty hot take to think that Mac Jones could take down Allen, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, and probably multiple to even get to a Super Bowl. Look, on a rookie contract, here is what happens. Let's understand this. The AFC is loaded. That is true. But while you are on a rookie contract, you have an ability to completely shape your roster in a hugely talented way. Okay? Here's what's going to happen. The Bills are going to pay Josh Allen $45 million a year. At some point, they're not going to be able to have all the all the nice toys they have now, and they're going to lose some of those pieces, and it's going to fall solely on Allen. Allen is special. You know who else is special? Aaron Rodgers. You know how many Super Bowl he's won since he was making a gazillion dollars? Zero. You know who else is special? Drew Brees. How many Super Bowls did he win when he was making a gazillion dollars? Zero. You know who else is special? Russell Wilson. You know how many Super Bowls he's won since making a gazillion dollars? Zero. So Patrick Mahomes is going to go on a huge deal. The Chiefs are going to lose some of the nice things. The Bills are going to lose some of the nice things for Josh Allen. Joe Burrow right now, he can keep nice things for a couple of years. So can Justin Herbert. So there's definitely clutter in the AFC. But if the Patriots can build up the roster around Mac Jones, I do think that, look, the the, the Pats next year are going to play a second-place schedule. They've got a difficult schedule next year, but they're going to play a second-place schedule. Chiefs are going to play a first-place schedule. Bills are going to play a first-place schedule. Since he's going to play a first-place schedule, Pats are going to play a second-place schedule. So they have a chance to take advantage of the schedule, take advantage of the schedule that the other teams will have, which will be tougher, and they still have the ability to spend in the offseason around Mac Jones and draft around Mac Jones in a way that not every other team in the AFC does. It is going to be hard. But Colin Kaepernick got to a Super Bowl on a rookie deal. Russell Wilson got to and won a Super Bowl on a rookie deal. Jared Goff got to and got to a Super Bowl on a rookie deal. The Eagles got to a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz on a rookie deal. The rookie deal matters. So Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, they didn't win Super Bowls while making a million dollars. You know who else? Or making a, a trillion dollars. You know who else isn't going to win a Super Bowl this year? Um, well, Dak Prescott's not. He's making a bunch of money. Matt Stafford's making a bunch of money, and he very well may not win a Super Bowl. So Tom Brady's making $25 million a year, not 45 At some point, the money impacts the rest of your roster in a negative way. Mac Jones has the ability to, you know, be a part of, of a very good structure for a couple more years. And that structure can cut through and get to a Super Bowl and win it. We've seen it. AFC is loaded. It's not a given, but it's not a hot take, I don't think, to sit here and say that uh, the Pats could take advantage of the system in the way that other teams have and get to a Super Bowl. Okay, we do it every single day. Speaking of Mac Jones, let's get to who's saying what. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Mac Jones? Good Lord. Mel Kuyper's got to slow down on this. Mac Jones ain't going to work, folks. It's not going to work. He's got to come to terms with it. It's not going to work. They really said that? Every damn thing! His politics 
and race, and I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for Who's Saying What on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEB AM, FM, and WDEBradio.com. Who's Saying What? Brought to you by Vermont Laser Wash, which is Central Vermont's home of unlimited car washes. That begins at only $20 a month. $20 a month to get your car wash every day if you want to. And heck, if you want a free car wash just for my listeners, well, all you need to do is text the word Vermont to the number 30, followed by 400. So 30, no spaces, 400. Text the word Vermont. All right, Pats, we know this. Blasted by the Bills, 47-17. Here's what Mac Jones had to say after the game. Losing's terrible, and none of us wanted to do that tonight. But there's nothing we can do about it. Um, there's a lot to look forward to and be positive about and learn from. Um, there's no, nothing to hang our heads on. I'm super proud of the people that have helped me grow as a person, coaches, players, support staff, and all that. So, I mean, there's a lot to look back on and just learn, and there's nothing to feel sorry about. It's just a learning experience to get better for next year. Did you have a problem with any of those comments from Mac? 802-585-3026. Did you wish that Mac was more upset sounding? Do you wish that he was more downtrodden, that the loss hit him harder? He said there's nothing to hang our heads on. Do you wish that he was a little more emotional? That's my question for you. 802-585-3026. I'll say this. I generally agree with everything Mac Jones just said. I didn't have a problem with 95% of what Mac said. He's the leader of this team. The team looks up to him and looks to him for leadership. So I think it's appropriate for him to talk about the arrow looking up. And he's right. With this organization, there are things to be optimistic about. This is a team that has developed young players. Like I said, Ramondre Stevenson and Christian Barmore is here and... Um, you know, they went Jacoby Myers continues to ascend. So they've got young players now that they are hitting on. They have a nucleus of veterans. They're going to be here next year, especially on offense. They're still scheduled to have a good offensive line. They still have money to spend. So there's absolutely things for Mac Jones to be positive about. So I get the tone of Mac's message and I support the message and the leader of the team. I think it's important for him to take that tone. So I'm not looking for Mac Jones to go Cam Newton at the Super Bowl towel around his uh you know towel around his head sulking off the stage i'm not looking for that i think mac jones said everything the team leader should say said that hey i appreciate what happened here this year i appreciate the guys that got us to this point all the guys that helped me develop personally and there's things to be excited about for the future 100 i think it shows good growth uh, by the way i think it shows good growth out of mac jones because one of the complaints about him this year was that he was too hard on himself, that he was too demonstrative at times, that he was too emotional negatively. I think he kept a level head here, and I think that was great. So I think it's actually you know another good improvement that he did that. So 95% of what Mac Jones said, I am 100% in lockstep with. He's right. There's things to be optimistic about, and that's the message that should be conveyed. A lot of these guys are going to be back next year. And they want to know that their team leader has their back and he believes in what they're doing. So that's great. The only issue, the only comment that I have a problem with for Mac Jones, and I know it's nitpicking. I know I'm nitpicking. And I think it's probably more of a misspeak than anything else. 
But I really didn't like the end of the clip when he said, it's just a learning experience for me. Listen to the very end. There's nothing to feel sorry about. It's just a learning experience to get better for next year. It's just a learning experience to get better for next year. That is the only issue. That is the only comment I have an issue with. And again, I think it's probably more of a misspeak. But when you're the CEO of a franchise, you can't always afford to misspeak. It is a learning experience for him. From an individual standpoint, Saturday night was a learning experience. But to others on the team, it's not just a learning experience. To some guys, it could be their last game ever in the playoffs. To some guys, it could be their last game ever for the Patriots. And for some guys, it could be their last game ever, period. So it's not just a learning experience to those guys. For, for Devin McCourty, for Matthew Slater, that could be it. That's not just a learning experience. That's my last game ever, and that's how we went out, potentially. For Dante Hightower, the leader of my defense for six, seven years, could be my last game in Foxborough, my last game for the Patriots. It's not just a learning experience. That's going to be how my Pat's career might end. So again, I think Mac Jones largely handled those comments right. And I think when he says it's just a learning experience, he probably just used the wrong words. But if I'm in the Patriots PR department, I'm going to him today and saying, hey, this is the one that next year we want to have back. This is the one that you know we're going to put in the manual and say, hey, this is not exactly what we were going for. I think it comes off as kind of dismissive. And I don't know that if I'm a veteran, I would be you know all that annoyed by it. I got other things on my plate if I'm Devin McCourty, but it's not just a learning experience to me. It is for you. It is to Mac Jones. And I think by and large, Mac Jones did a very good job in the media gauntlet this year. It's tough. It's demanding. He didn't he he stubbed his toe at times. You know, the WEEI interview after the Colts game where he didn't want to talk about the loss, that was wrong. Largely, I think he handled himself well with the media. That's one particular comment that I think that Mac Jones should want to have back. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. That's 802-585-3026. Unnamed texter on the text line says, I could also see Josh Allen doing the same thing that Brady did every year and taking pay cuts to help the roster stick together. He loves Buffalo and his teammates, Diggs and Allen, are going to be inseparable until one of them retires. Don't be so sure of that. Don't be so sure of that. Stephon Diggs went to an NFC title game with the Minnesota Vikings, and Stephon Diggs wanted out of Minnesota. So wide receivers want the ball, and wide receivers want money. Now, he's got both in Buffalo. I would argue, I would agree with you. He's got a better situation in Buffalo than he had in Minnesota. But if it turns sour in Buffalo, don't just think that Stephon Diggs is going down with the ship if he doesn't have to. And as for Josh Allen taking less money, he might, but they still need to develop well around him, right? I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is 86 years old, and Cole Beasley is getting up there as well, and he's lost a step. And while maybe they don't run all that much, they still could use some more depth at running back. And, you know, the the defensive 
backfield there. I mean, Micah Hyde has been around for a while, and it was an incredible play that he made the other day, but Micah Hyde is a safety. He is 31 years old. He ain't playing at that level for a whole lot longer. And Jordan Poyer is almost 30. I think he's about 28, so let me look that up real quick. Uh, Poyer is 30, so he and he's going to be 31, so he ain't playing at that level forever. So, look, Josh Allen might take pay cuts, but they still got to find good players to potentially, uh, potentially, um, you know, replace some of these guys. So he says that Diggs and Allen have crazy chemistry. It's Gronk Brady stuff. That's great. And, again, it's a better situation than Minnesota. But at the very least, Sanders and Beasley are going to have to get replaced at some point, and the defensive secondary is not going to be as good or not going to have these same guys. There's questions to be had in Buffalo, too, ultimately long, long term. There's still a very big problem for the next couple of years. No doubt about that. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. I'm about 15 minutes away from delivering my message to the Bills Mafia, and I hope the Bills fans that are texting me right now on the text line are ready for it because that is coming up in about 15 minutes. But when we come back, we will unpack the Patriots. I'll give you my takeaways from that beatdown, 47-17. Pat's season is over. Our final unpacking the Patriots of the season. It comes up next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Going up until 7 o'clock, and then we got the debut of Jazz with George Thomas. So looking forward to getting uh, George in here and being doing the show live after me every single day that we have jazz music on. So no high school basketball tonight, no Norwich hockey tonight. Also Norwich, by the way, postponed tomorrow against Middlebury COVID issues. We're not sure which program, but uh, COVID issues um, causing the postponement of that game uh, tomorrow night. So Norwich back at it again on Friday when they take on Castleton. They'll play Skidmore on Saturday at Kreitzburg arena show brought to you in part by pro driver training that's pro driver training vermont's premier truck driver training school online at prodrivercdl.com all right we do it every single day after or show after patriots game so it's our final time for the year it's our final unpacking the patriots cue the music people okay hold on we can't cue the music what do we got hold on here we've played this music every single show for the entire season. Okay, we can't play it from there anymore. Hold on. So let's see. We've got another source to get our music. But uh, let's see here. Uh, let's try again. Cue the music, people. Thank you. All right. Now we got the music. Now I feel at home. Now give me the unpack of the Patriots return. This one's going to be a lot less fun than usual. The good. Jones. Open. Touchdown, Kendrick And the bat. Take it. Allen. Looks it for the touchdown. 
It's a big man touchdown for Tommy Doyle. We unpack the Patriots now on the Brady Farkas show. Yeah, we had a couple games this year where it was only good in terms of that. We'd say the good, the good, the good, the good, the good. This one had multiple bad. Patriots beaten 47-17. to 17. Season is over. Unpacking the Patriots. We just give you our takeaways. No particular order, just things that we noticed. Number one, biggest play of the game was the Micah Hyde interception. There's no question about it. Patriots first drive, Pats at the Buffalo 34. Just 129 yards rushing this season. Jones, pump, rifle downfield. Intercepted. Sliding catch made by Hyde for the pick. That was the biggest play of the game. A, a lot of plays happened in this game. A lot of them went good for Buffalo. That was the biggest play of the game. The Bills were up 7-0, but the Patriots come right back. Matt converts a couple of third downs, a couple of third longs, hit a 30-yard pass to Hunter Henry, had a third down where he scrambled and picked up a run, his 16-yard run. They're using his legs. Pats were moving the ball, and if they go in and tie that game, it could be a whole different story. That Micah Hyde play changed the complexion of that game. It kept the momentum with Buffalo. It kept the confidence up for Buffalo. And then Buffalo gets the ball back, and they go down and just continue to score and score and score. But the, the closing speed by Hyde to go and get to Nelson Aguilar, that was incredible. The hands to make the play was incredible. The ability to hold on to the ball and survive the ground was incredible. The whole thing was incredible. Bills get the pick, and they go right back down and score. That was the biggest play of the game. Okay, A lot of plays happened. That was the biggest one. Number two, unpacking the Patriots. I want to start a petition for kick returners to almost always kneel when the kick goes to the end zone. I don't know what Gunnar Olszewski was doing. Bills score. They're up 7-0. Kick goes down. Olszewski fields it from two yards in the end zone and brings it out and only gets to the 13. Just kneel on the ball and start it at the 25, please. I know that Gunner was an all-pro returner last year. That is why he has the confidence and likely the freedom to do such things. But the risk-reward is not great enough for me. Okay, The Pats started that drive at the 13 when they should have started at the 25. Yes, Mack got the Pats out of that bad field position before the pick. But still, I mean, I told you on Thursday, my biggest fear was the first couple of minutes of this game. Buffalo scores. Pats come down in bad field position, get a penalty, and all of a sudden they're behind the chains, and that's what happened. Now, Mac saved them, and that's fine, and Mac did a good job until the pick on that first drive. But Gunnar Olszewski, just take the ball at the 25, and let's halt some momentum because the Bills Mafia got into it even more when you try to bring it out and you go essentially nowhere, even though you're an all-pro returner. I would like to see most, like 90% of the time, I'd, I'd like to see punts fair caught, and I'd like to see kicks just kneeled on in the end zone. No, like, almost nothing good comes from this. Very rarely now do kickoff returners even take the ball past the 25. It's not worth the risk. Just get the ball at the 25, and let's go from there. Number three. I had no problem with the Patriots on the coin toss deferring to the second half. I saw a lot of people, including a good buddy of mine, texting me during the game. What the hell are they doing? Take the balls. Put the pressure on them. Pittsburgh took the ball yesterday and immediately went three and out 
against the Kansas City Chiefs. So there's no guarantee that that would have worked. NFL teams defer. I would. This the Patriots were supposed to be a team built on defense. That was supposed to be the unit that we trusted more. So yeah, I would rather put my defense on the field, try to create a stop, get the ball back, then let my offense go down. And oh, by the way, I get the ball back to start the second half. I'm fine with it. NFL teams defer all the time. Like, they all defer. I don't think anybody just receives the ball on their own. So, Pat's deferred. I was good with that. And at some point, you were going to have to stop Josh Allen, and they never did. So, I I don't know that uh, taking the ball first would have been any different in terms of what your defense could do. Number four, news and notes. This was the worst, the second worst loss of Bill Belichick's Patriots tenure. The worst since they lost to the Bills, 31 to nothing on opening day 2003. I think that was the Lawyer Malloy pick six game in Buffalo. It was, I mean, the news and notes are out, uh, are unbelievable, really. Worst Bill Belichick loss since 2003. Josh Allen, third quarterback ever to throw five touchdowns against the Belichick defense. More touchdown passes than incompletions. In the last two games between the Bills and Patriots, the Bills didn't punt once. And then, here we go. Bills became the first team in NFL history. Seven touchdowns, zero punts, zero turnovers in a playoff game. There's history. Allen completed more than 80% of his passes. Had 300 passing yards, 50 rush yards, and five touchdowns. No quarterback has ever done that in the Super Bowl era, so that's at least 55 years. Bills had 19 first downs in the first half. That's the most ever against the Belichick coach Patriots team. Four touchdowns in the first half, also the most against the Belichick Patriots team. First team in NFL history to go through a game without punting, kicking a field goal, or turning the ball over in any fashion. I mean, history was made. At least if you're going to lose, lose in historic fashion, and that's what the Patriots did. Patriots beaten, and that's our final unpacking the Patriots, and now to the offseason we go. A bunch of questions in hand, things we're going to get to over the next couple of months, things I can't wait to get to, but questions in hand. So we go to the offseason. Tomorrow, we're going to answer the question, by the way, the biggest question the Patriots need to identify this offseason. I've already got it in my mind. Tomorrow, we're going to put that out on the air. The biggest question the Patriots have going into next season. So that's tomorrow on the Brady Farkas show. When we come back, my message for the Bills Mafia. I see a lot of Bills fans saying the exact same thing. And my question is, why are you saying it? That's next on DEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. You know, I know you, you know, you people that are listening to the show are also likely not watching this game, but this is shocking what's happening right now in uh, women's college basketball. UConn, number nine, just lost to unranked Oregon. Final score, 72-59. to 59. So, number one. UConn, we're used to them never losing. They're now 9-4 and four on the season. Number two, losing to an unranked team is unthought of with Connecticut. And UConn was up 10-0 in this game. <laughs> they were up 10-0 and ended up getting beat 
by 13. Now, Paige Beckers will be back at some point this year. Um, I believe she was player of the year last year uh, in all of college basketball. So she'll be back at some point. UConn, in theory, should get better. But my goodness, we're not used to seeing that. Okay, Jazz with George Thomas is coming up in about 10 minutes. So the maiden voyage for Jazz with George Thomas. So on my parting thoughts, I have to deliver this message. There's a news flash, a PSA that needs to be delivered to Buffalo fans, to Bills fans, to the Bills Mafia. My PSA for you is this. If Saturday night is the highlight of your fandom or the pinnacle of your season, then we need to have a conversation. Because I heard the stadium, which is now apparently called Highmark Stadium. My God, I remember when it was just... When it was just the Ralph, it was just Ralph Wilson. Then it was New Era. Now it's something called Highmark Stadium. Anyways, the stadium, everyone was singing, we are the champions after beating the Patriots. And then I saw multiple people on social media, including Ryan Clark of ESPN, former NFL player, saying that that win on Saturday exercised 20 years worth of demons for the Bills. Really? Really? That's all kind of sad from this vantage point number one we are the champions no you're not you won a wild card round playoff game i thought the goal was to win the super bowl not win a wild card round playoff game do you want a banner for winning a wild card playoff game do you want a banner for this seriously we are the champions you you went further last year and this is getting you to sing We Are the Champions. Now, I like the Bills Mafia. I went to college in central New York. I actually have a soft spot for the Bills. As a Seattle Mariners fan, I got I, I got a soft spot for, the, for the, the longtime loser. Trust me. But what are we doing here? We are the champions after a wild card win? That is shocking to me. And as for exercising demons, huh? Really? The Bills won the division last year. The Bills won the division this year. Haven't we already moved past this? The goal should be trying to win the Super Bowl, not just trying to upend the Patriots. The, the, are the Patriots living that rent-free in your mind that you're still looking over your shoulder at what they're doing? You won. You went to the AFC title game last season and a wild-card win over a rookie quarterback? This is the high-water mark? I mean, my goodness, I've got news for you, Buffalo. Like, big news for you. You have a quarterback you're paying $200 million to. The Patriots are playing with a rookie who last year was playing in the SEC, who two years ago wasn't even playing at all. The Bills were supposed to win this game. The Bills were supposed to win the division. In fact, if they didn't win the division, it would have been an embarrassment for them. Do you really want a parade for doing something you were supposed to do? The Bills were supposed to win the division. They were supposed to get to the playoffs. They're supposed to get to the AFC title game. Winning a wild card game against a team with a rookie quarterback should not be the goal and should not be the pinnacle. We are the champions, they were saying. Remember when the Colts put up a banner that said, like, uh, AFC, some kind of like AFC playoff representative or something? Like, that's what this is equivalent to. 
if beating a rookie quarterback while you are at home in a season in which you were the heavy favorite is the goal, then the Bills Mafia has far too low of standards. What are we doing here? The Bills should be thinking Super Bowl, not beating a rookie quarterback at home. I. When is the parade for beating the Patriots? That's what I'd like to know. When is the parade at Highmark Field or Highmark Stadium or whatever the hell it's being called these days? What the Bills Mafia should be doing is talking like Joe Burrow talked after the Bengals won on Saturday. I mean, it's exciting, but you know, it's, this was expected. I wasn't – this isn't like the, the icing on top of the cake or anything. This is the, this is the cake, and so we're, we're moving on. That's how you should be talking. This, this was expected. This isn't the icing on the cake. The text line come in 802-585-3026. Bills fan, I'm not singing we are the champions. That's wild, but that win was special. There, there's a rational take on the situation. Yes, it's fun to beat the team that's dominated you. It's fun to all of a sudden get bigger than, than Big Brother and be able to throw them around a little bit. That's all well and good. However, we are the champions. Let me know when the parade is for the wild card playoff win. So, but against the rookie quarterback. I mean, my goodness. You were supposed to do that. That's what you pay somebody $200 million for is to have a performance. I mean, no one does that good, but to have a performance that's pretty darn close to that. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Uh, Steve, Steve says... Uh, they were our whipping boy for a long time. They finally beat up the bully. Not that that makes them champs. I agree with you there, Steve. Good show. Go find the podcast. Jazz with George Thomas. That's next on WDEV.